What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. His speed literally reminds me of that. I'm not kidding. Like I, I like I can see it. it. Like I can see the path to it. So yeah, good way to start the show is talking about Christian Watson like that. It's fun. Yeah, uh, I like. I have some some good ideas for Christian Watson, man. Like I get, I've, I've I get that it's it's been four games. Like I get that. So like I'm not mm-hmm. ready to call him Randy Moss or anything yet. But he's doing things that Randy right. Moss did as a rookie. But there's currently no scenario where I picture something for the future for Christian Watson, and I think he can't do that. Agreed. That's how I feel. And and we've both of us have been on that bandwagon since day one, man. I mean, we were we were we were just drooling at the potential of this guy, the six five, the speed, and you know, Simon actually. He was my number five receiver in our draft rankings. He was, he was. You were, you were absolutely on board with him the whole entire time since fucking March, man. Um, crazy what this this kid's potential is, really. And like I said, man, we don't know what Romeo Dobbs is really when he's when he's fully healthy and he's and he doesn't have all the attention on him and and Watson's taking all the safety help and he's getting one on ones over the middle. I mean, I'm saying, bro, the Dobbs Packers are in a good 13, spot. So I f- I feel like we're in a good spot. Oh, no, no. I like where we're at. I agree. Um, that's where so, we're going to leave that. So <laughs> speaking of being in a good spot and liking where we're at, yes. Jake and I are really excited. Um, so this is for next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake and I are going to have our first active player on the show with us. Uh, next Wednesday, we're going to be joined by CJ Getz of the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, very excited to have him on. Um, and get to talk to him a little bit, talk to him about Luke Fickle and uh, Jim Leonard and um, talking about the bowl game and, and then some of the things that we want to talk to him about is um, addressing, you know, mental health. And if players see stuff on social media, we want to talk to him about some of that stuff and really kind of relate it to um, to the fans of the teams that we, we are a part of because we think that stuff does matter. So we're very excited to be welcome. Coming CJ gets on next week. That's gonna be uh that's gonna be a really exciting part of next week's show. So yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. It's gonna be <clears> awesome. <throat> All right. 
so we go from from an exciting thing to something slightly less exciting and we have to talk about the transfers oh taylor you missed our special announcement um taylor we're gonna have cj gets from the badgers on with us next wednesday um so some less somewhat less excuse is to report the numbers the badgers have going out which is currently Mertz, um shoot i'm totally blanking oh um Michael Fortney from the offensive line. Um, Franklin, the tight end. Who am I missing? Who else am I missing yet? Because there's a there's a handful. Uh, Isaac Arendo um, is a graduate transfer. Yep. Isaac Arendo. Um, there's a there's a freshman D end. Forgot his name. Um, we have it all in the. What up, Dan? How you doing? Go back to calling us dicks. I like that better. Um. <laughs> um. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, there you go. Yoder potted in there for us. Thanks for watching, Yoder. For Tristan Monday. That's what his name is. Yeah, I was trying to find it real quick. I have it written down, but it's all the way in my bag right. notes, and I'm already set up. So I'm just going to leave it as is, and I'm not going to get unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What up, Dan? Um, How you doing, man? <laughs> also, keep an eye out um, early next week. Um, Jake, myself, and Mike, who joins us when we do um, Badgers content a lot, too. We are going to do a list of three transfer targets each. Um, so keep an eye out for that early next week. That'll be in an article blog post um, format, not on the actual show part of it. We're going to try to try to diversify our content a little bit and continue growing and trying to give more content for people to enjoy. So um, we're going to be putting that out early next week with Mike contributing with that as well. Um, so last thing on Badgers football is saying farewell to Jim Leonard. Um, we were we were so excited because on Saturday we heard that he was sticking around, and then we found out yesterday that he's not sticking around permanently. Uh, Jim Leonard is going to stick around with us through the badge or through the bowl game, and after that he is departing. So yeah. we'll get we'll get a one a one game sample size, a really interesting bowl game of. Jim Leonard serving as defensive coordinator under Luke Fickle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, if I'm being honest on the bowl game thing right now, I don't think um, Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig are going to participate, if I'm being honest with you, because I think they're both going to declare for the draft. So I think those two might both sit that game out. But mm-hmm. other than that, on the defensive side of the ball, It'll be very interesting having that many defensive-minded guys all in one room. I'm expecting low scoring, and I'm expecting about 150 handoffs between both teams. <laughs> That's That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, all right. So one of the things – Yeah. I, Do you want to I just wanted to talk about, about – wanted to talk about Jimmy, man. Um, I know we talked about him last week, but – Honestly, his his uh, his impact on this this organization, I guess I'll call them this school. Um, I don't want it to to feel diminished at all. Um, Jimmy, all Badgers fans, we love you. We loved watching you as a player. Uh, we appreciate your your time here as a coach, uh, helping us pump out uh, NFL talent from Madison, you know, to the league. And um, 
I am. I was actually really sad, man. And I, I told you and Mike this. I was like, you know, I'm. I was expecting turnover. I was expecting people to leave, like like players and stuff. I was like, I'm prepared for that. I'm okay with that because I know it's going to take a little bit for Fickle to get his guys in here, anyways, and acclimated to the system and shit. But I was like, as long as Jimmy stays, I'll be happy. I don't give a shit about nothing else. Like I just wanted Jimmy to stay. And then it's like, damn man, I've kind of felt like a shot to the heart, you know. But it is what it is. And like you said, man, dude, that bowl game is going to be. That's gonna be weird. What if, uh, what if they gel really, really well and he's he's uh, convinced to stay? I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what's gonna happen. Um, I feel like Jim doesn't even know what he wants to do. To be honest with you, like he doesn't want to leave. You know that. Like deep down, he doesn't want to yeah. leave. What if they gel really well? They allow zero points, like really low yardage. Fickle's like, hey man, I really like how we, how you work. I like how you control that. I can focus on this side and this side. I'll let you do your thing. You can kind of be in charge of that. Like. We don't know what's going to happen, but for right now, the news is that he's leaving. So we're going to go into 2023 yeah. without Jim Leonard, and that's kind of well, sad. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it'll it'll depend, too, on, on what jobs open up. Like just today, the Purdue head coaching job opened up. I don't think that's one that he's going to be interested in. But say, I don't know, say a head coaching job opens up at, I don't know, like Miami, Florida or something like that. And it's yeah. like, okay, you can go be the head coach at Miami, a place that has like a rich football history, and it's in Florida, you know, in something Miami. like that. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, that's that's just an example. Like, I don't think that job is opening up anytime soon, but I'm just giving an example. Um, or or a Texas A&M. Like, we talked about it with Mike, that that school has been top three in recruiting for like the last five years and for like the next three. And – have they they haven't sniffed a college football playoff so say their head coach gets fired and texas a&m is like hey you want to come here with the top recruiting class you know so it'll depend between you know now in the bowl game what jobs open up to see what jim leonard could be interested in um maybe if he doesn't see anything that's particularly interested in he reevaluates and decides you know maybe maybe it's worth sticking around or maybe it's worth jim just taking some time off Honestly, yeah. I could see that as a possibility as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to rule anything out, I guess, but I also don't think it's particularly likely. But it's – and I get part of the attachment of it too is that by saying goodbye to Jim Leonard, we've already said goodbye to Paul Christ. We're saying goodbye, obviously, to a bunch of current players. Um, we said goodbye last summer to Barry Alvarez – we're really, really, truly entering a completely brand new era of Wisconsin football. And, you know, if you guys didn't watch um, his introductory press conference, Luke Fickle, I'm referring to, um, I would definitely do that because of the last statement that Tyler talked about moving into an, a new era of Badgers football. He talked about you have to be willing to change, you know, with the times and adapt. And I think we absolutely I'm still ecstatic about the hire. So I think we absolutely have the best man to go into a new era of Badgers football where we are going to be making the playoffs. I'm going to say that right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to make we're going to it's not going to be like we're going to be getting in as the 12th seed or anything like that. I man, I think I think we'll be somewhere in that eight eight to six range in a couple of years. I mean, shit, sure. we might even be a top four team. Who knows? The Badgers can can win some football games. I mean, the Big Ten's still not you know 
you know, easy, but it's not like hard. You know, there's 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 the the levels, right? I mean, right. there's the Rutgers there's and tears. and and Purdue's are gonna go down now because awesome. I actually, I actually respect that coach. That coach is pretty good. So, but I expect Purdue to go down, even though they're kind of one of those weird teams. Maryland's a weird lower team. There's definitely the wins to get plus your non-conference schedule. So, I mean, the Badgers will definitely be in the running for it if they could just, you know, do their job, which I think Fickle will have them doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking at his track record at Cincinnati, if he can do that with a, um, you know, like a mid – not I shouldn't say a mid-major because they're going to be in the Big 12 next year, but to do that with a Cincinnati and then to come to a place like Wisconsin that has, you know, even larger resources like Big 10 – style resources like that's that's a big deal so um it's gonna be interesting so <clears throat> all right one more thing we want to throw up before we switch our basketball um colton wong was traded uh from the brewers to the mariners um the brewers got jesse winker noted brewer killer uh dude that just absolutely smacks at miller park and abraham toro who is a young utility man um got four years of team control that's essentially what it was was swapping a 10 million dollar contract for an eight and a half million dollar contract and some cash and the brewer is getting a guy with a bunch of team control added in that's pretty much what it was there um what the main thing that that does is it clears a some playing time for bryce terang which is exciting because he's one of the guys that i was hoping would be up for the brewers do you or, have any or... quick thoughts you want to throw it on that or Churio, man. Hey, he didn't rule that out the other day. He didn't rule. He didn't rule yeah, Churio Churio's out. an outfielder. Churio. I know, but but he didn't rule that out. I wanted to bring that up because I watched a little bit of that, and I was like, okay, don't get me too excited now. The number two is the eighteen. Dude, let's let's start with Garrett Mitchell as the twenty twenty three starting center fielder, and let's get my man self for like on the forty man roster, and I'll be I'll happy that, from dude. there, and then we can start talking to Rang and and getting some other guys in. Um, hey, and Terang, man, people, a lot of people are talking about how he needs to be up and stuff. So, like you said, that that just opens the room for him, gives us ten more million that we can throw mm-hmm. a million down. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, so do the right yeah. things. Hopefully, we get some extension news soon. Yeah. Now that we're getting into winter meetings, which I think actually started today. So, all right, <clears throat> let's go to Badger basketball. Let's start with our power pair and underrated performer. Uh, give me your Wisconsin Badgers power pair from the Marquette and Maryland games. All right. So my first one, the point guard, the number one, I picked Chucky Hepburn um, on the week. He averaged 16 points, four rebounds, two assists. He shot 61% from the field and 70% of three line. So that is outstanding. Um, Klesmit was my second one. He averaged 10 yeah. points, three rebounds, three assists, shot 43% from the field, 33% from three, which aren't killer numbers. But when you couple that with his ability to be smart on the floor and make winning plays, which we talk about often on this show, there yes. was no way I was keeping him off. Um, he's just always in the right position. He's always, you know, he seems like he's always around the ball. He's one of those guys. Um, and I, I love that he's on this Badgers basketball team. I love me some Max Klesman. Yeah. Do you want me to get my, my underrated real quick? Go for it. Uh, my underrated. I picked Connor Asijan. Actually, I picked him as underrated, even though it's hard and it's hard to watch a basketball a Badgers basketball game and not notice him. They right. talk about him about ten million times now. All right. But he averaged two and three. Um, he shot forty one percent from the field and forty percent from three, which is actually low for him, which sounds hilarious. He's he's forty eight percent on the season. So, 
I just want to say about Connor Asijian, the reason that they talk about him so much is because every time that the Badgers need a freaking three-pointer, he seems to just get open and make the three-pointer. The, the kid is a winner. That's what I'm going to say about him. I'm already declaring him in a class where I consider Drew Holiday on the Bucks. Where you look at Drew Holiday, you think about his game, and I'm like, that guy's a winner. He is a winning player. He changes cultures. Sure. I mean – he, sure. I mean, he completely flipped the script in Milwaukee. Like, I know a lot of people talk about Giannis getting better at Middleton, and those are all true, and and P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis. And mm-hmm. the thing that people don't talk about enough, in my opinion, <clears throat> about the Bucks, Drew Holiday's flip with Eric Bledsoe, that allowed a lot of shit to change in Milwaukee defensive schemes and shit. So yep. um, Connor Seasons in that class for me where he he's a winner in my book. He's changing the, the viewpoint of the Badgers where – you know, the Badgers last year were not a three-point shooting team. No. Not even a little bit. Like, there was, like, two for 20 nights at some point. It was um, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of, like, two for 14s and three uh-huh. for 22 nights behind the three-point line. And, you know, the Badgers not really having a consistent three-point threat, even with Johnny Davis and Brad Davison on the team. And now it's like, shit, you have to keep an eye on Connor Asijan or he'll hit threes on you. So that is, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, I tweeted this out last night after he went on like a 6-0 run by himself that Connor Asijan is doing the things that Badger fans would hope Tyler Hero was going to do before he decided to decommit and go to Kentucky. That's kind of how I feel about that. All right. So my power pair... I also had Chucky Hepburn. The other thing I would throw in there, in addition to everything that you named, was he also averaged one and a half steals over the two games. Um, So Chucky Hepburn is still playing good on-ball defense, although I do have some things to bring up with that, um, especially in the Marquette game, which we'll get into in a minute. The other one I put in, I wanted to give Jordan Davis some love. Um, He had eight points in both games. He didn't shoot super well against Marquette. But he did make a three in the overtime, so he made the shot when it mattered. And then um, added four rebounds. Then against the Maryland, uh, in the Maryland game, he had eight points again, but he was three for five shooting, so his shooting uh, efficiency improved. And then he also had six rebounds um, against Maryland. So Jordan Davis out here doing some dirty work. Uh, Not to mention that the dude is just constantly cutting to the basket. Like constantly, yeah. And then for me, for underrated performer, I had Carter Gilmore. Um, he's. Mm. Let me know how you feel about this. Carter Gilmore is the Badgers' Pat Connaughton. With less. See, and I, I feel that, I feel that way about Klesman. I really do. I feel that way about Klesman because he's a guard. He's a smaller guy. He's not afraid to mix it up with the big guys. Yeah. He hits threes. I like I like Carter for that role because he's he does a lot of dirty work. Like Klesman definitely does a lot of dirty work too. But mm-hmm. I like Gilmore as the dirty work guy. He didn't score any points against Marquette, but he did grab three rebounds. He did have three assists. He had one steal and zero turnovers. I I've actually I'm I'm better on board with Gilmore. He's been all right the last the last week. Been pretty See, good and for I us. saw 
like it happened in like two or three games last year where I saw some stuff and it's like, oh, like there like Carter Gilmore just showed me something. So that's why I was a little bit higher on him coming into this season. He was one of my bold predictions, actually, that he would kind of become the Badgers' sixth man. Um, he's kind of becoming more the seventh man because Connor Sejan is just just rocketing and he's going to end up in the starting lineup soon. Yeah. Um, but then you get to last night's game against Maryland and Carter Gilmore puts up a season-high seven points, three more rebounds, had a blocked shot, just really good. Actually, he did really good defense contesting without doing a ton of fouling. Um, so a lot of just contesting shots, which last night's game, like just the number of whistles just ended up being insane, but it is what it is. So let's start with Saturday's overtime game uh, against Marquette. Uh, it's Greg guard number 150 win for Greg guard. So, uh, what did you see from the Badgers game against Marquette? Man, uh, this game was close. Um, obviously, it went in the overtime, but even in the box score, it was it was super super close. Um, both teams shot fifty one percent from the field. Uh, the Badgers shot twelve of twenty seven from three. That's forty four percent. Marquette shot nine of twenty. That's forty five percent. Both teams had uh, good rebounding numbers. I thought the Badgers winning that was very very important because they're Can I break some news real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Phil Longo is leaving UNC to go to Wisconsin to become the Badgers offensive coordinator. He had a prolific offense in Chapel Hill and helped develop Drake May into a star this year. He's had a strong relationship with Luke Fickle for a while, and he interviewed for the Cincinnati offensive coordinator position before. Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, I hate when my imagination shows up on camera, but holy fuck, bro. I think the possibility <laughs> of this shit is just literally endless. Like, all right. I was going to bring this up when we got to the end, but I saw this crazy tweet today. Let me see this. All right, let me get it up. Let me get it up. It says, just a yearly reminder that the Badgers basketball can take five guys who look like they work at a grocery store and beat your eyeball test team regularly. <laughs> Enjoy your day. The Wisconsin Badgers are the best team in the nation at taking B-plus talent and making it look like A's. Absolutely no doubt in my mind that they're the best at that. We are taking B-plus to A coaches, and now we're going to get B-plus to A players? It's a wrap, bro. We are definitely competing with Michigan and Ohio State. We are getting on that level. Dude, I, I'm i not 100% positive on this. I think he runs Air Raid. Oh, boy. I got to look. I got to look. Bro, if you called that, I'm going to shit my pants. Me too. I will, I will literally shit my pants. You're like, I just want the Badgers to run Air Raid. You just said that bullshitting with us, man. <laughs> what offense? Does North care? Phil Longo describes his variation of the air raid offense. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. So he oh. runs a variation of it. Oh no. Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Oh. You know what that does? That gives Braylon that that puts Braylon Allen in space. Think about that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Braun's just... so excited. Oh, things man, I'm so real. excited. Things just got real. See, Luke Fickle was a great hire because he has so much respect around the game. Oh, man. That's why I loved it so much. I was like, he knows people who know people. That's how I felt about Luke Fickle. Damn. Well, gonna... I know what I'm doing when the show is over before the Bucks game starts. I'm going to be reading up on Phil Longo. Oh, is... man. I think that hiring is definitely going to change our opinion on uh, our transfers, too. It could. And that's, yeah, that's definitely going to be very interesting. I'm very, very, very interested to see who you and Mike come up with, especially with us doing three transfer targets. Because it's like, do we go two offense? Do we go two defense? Do we go three offense? Like, it'll be interesting to see how this breaks down between the three of us. I'm going to tell you, you have one the same. I'll tell you that right now. Are you sure? Yeah. You want the Clemson quarterback like I do? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like him a lot. He, you're not just you're not just that talented for no fucking reason. And <laughs> you know, Clemson the last couple of years, I feel like they weren't what they what they were. I feel like it was kind of a messy situation. So yeah, I think I think a fresh start for him could be like yeah. a really really good thing. I mean, look yeah. at look at fucking Caleb Williams. I'm yeah, not saying Williams. that he's going to be on that that level, but he was he was kind of a mess a little bit. He was all right at Oklahoma. He goes out to USC and he's a fucking Heisman finalist, probably the Heisman favorite. Probably now. the winner, yeah. And I'm not, and a lot of that is on on the offense and stuff and his ability. But right, all I'm saying is the options are endless, and him coming here with a big time coach and big time offensive line and shit could make a difference. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm now so excited. now I'm giving you some of my content. I'm going to talk about. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, keep get back to talking about Marquette. Yeah, um, Marquette is good this year. As much as I hate them, uh, they come off a smacking Baylor. Like they didn't yeah. just beat Baylor. Like they legit just smacked Baylor in the mouth. Yeah, the for, whole game for forty straight minutes. Yeah, they they pounded them. And you look at the turnover number from this game, and it's fifteen for Wisconsin, which is very un-Wisconsin like. But with the yeah. speed and the defense that Marquette plays, yeah. I expected that to happen. I'm very, very happy with the 21 assists from the Yes. Bears. That's good call. That's a beautiful thing to see. Good 21 call. assists on 30 made field goals. Yeah, good That's call. For them to remain that patient under that pressure was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, that's um, a very good call. Chucky Hepburn was the fucking man in this game. Five for six from three, bro. He was absolutely hooping. He was making dude, it from he, the dude. Okay. logo. Like I'm watching Chucky Hepper and I'm like, Chucky, you need to chill out. Cause he's like for he hits the first step back, right? And yeah. he steps back and he's like, he's he's NBA range and maybe a little deeper on the first one. And I'm like, damn, okay, Chucky. Uh-huh. And then he does it again from like four feet deeper. I'm like, damn, Chucky, chill. I know. And then we get Dude. the second half, and he does another step back from the left side, and I'm like, damn, Chucky. It's like it's just never, it's just never ending, and he's hitting them at the end of the shot clock and shit. It's like Chucky, yeah. really chill. He he's a lot of bailout shots for us. I'll say that. Um, Tyler Wall was still good, fifteen and seven. Connor and Season twelve three and three. He like I said, he always shows up when we need him, making big time timely shots. Um, I like Marquette. Um, I think they're a good team. I mean, I don't like Marquette, but I like them as a team. They'll definitely be in the tournament, but. The Badgers winning this type of game, like hanging with a with a team that's fast paced, and then you yep. know we're gonna foreshadow, you know, beating a Maryland team, even though it was at home. I don't give a shit. 
I think they would have be, I think they would have beat him at Maryland last night the way they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I that just shows the variations of ways that this team can win, and I love every bit yeah. of it. There is a few things that the Badgers can clean up, and I honestly feel like they have the potential to be a top ten team. Ooh. I really feel that way. I I really do. The way that they play. Do you want me to just get into it real quick? Clean up free throws and rebound better. They could be top ten. Yeah, and part of that revolves around Stephen Crowell being being more assertive, yeah. which he did actually do in the Marquette game. He, like did. he threw down a dunk on somebody. He got an and one dunk. I in know, the first dude. Half. I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know he could dunk. Neither did I. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) But he gets a dunk. He gets an and one on Iguodaro. And I'm like, damn. And then in the second half, he's backing down. And he gets an and one, uh, like, jump hook. Like, like Stephen Crowell is playing assertive. If he he asserts his dominance, this team is completely different. It's such a like a such a tale of two games on that specific facet of the Badgers. Like we'll get into we'll get into Maryland and I'll bring it up again. Mm-hmm. But what I want to bring up in the first half um, was a lot of scoring. First of all, we brought up Marquette coming off a huge win. Um, Marquette was also on a thirteen game home winning streak. Yeah, that's true. Sure, I saw that. And the other thing I thought was kind of weird about the Badgers and Marquette was over their last 20 games, it's perfectly split 10 and 10. Yep. Which is weird, but you know. And I'd be like, like that. I'm always waving bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Okay, we got to talk about it. What? That was the weirdest chant of all time for Marquette student section. Fuck Wisconsin. I'm like, dude, you're literally in Wisconsin. Like you fucking idiots. I, I I get it, but like I get, I get it get too. But saying. you're college kids. You should be smarter than that. I mean, you can come up like like fuck the Badgers is the same amount of syllables. Sure, it is. I'm sorry. I was just like fuck Wisconsin. That doesn't even make sense. Like you're in, you're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You dumb shits. <laughs> Good God. So first half, uh, the Badgers were switching a lot. Like they were switching almost everything, seeming as though they didn't want to give up threes to Marquette. And Marquette was just hitting a ton of threes. So were the Badgers. Even Tyler Wall hit a three in the first half. Yeah, that was weird. It so was not, weird. It feels like, wrong, doesn't it? When Tyler I'm not Wall used to that. Like, I <laughs> like it, but it feels <laughs> wrong. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to bring back or bring up was uh, Kamari McGee. So he scored five pretty yeah. quick points in this game. And I read about Kamari McGee not playing a lot. Uh, Mike was actually talking about it with us a couple times too, about you know wondering why Kamari McGee might not have been playing as much, especially with the absence of Jacoby Neath and the Badgers really needing a backup point guard. Um, so what I read was Kamari McGee was um, not playing as much quite yet because Greg Gard was talking about the adjustment of going from a Horizon League team to a Big Ten team and getting Kamari McGee um, acclimated to that style of play, the physicality, just the, the the raise in talent going from from a UWGB to a, a Wisconsin. So that's kind of what the what the deal was with Kamari McGee. Um, so I wanted to bring that up. I'm very glad you brought that up because I feel like his speed allowed us to break the to break their press. Yes, and they turned it back up in the second half, and that's what helped them come back. 
Badgers got caught in some turnovers, and and that's what helped Marquette come back was them turning the pressure up. Marquette or Wisconsin led by as much as sixteen in the second half. That and fucking Cam Jones from Marquette is a fucking dude. He's good. Yeah, he's he's real. He's only a sophomore. Yeah, and he finished. He finishes around the rim a lot better than I thought he does. Yeah, and he can shoot that shit. I mean, he's he had twenty six. The rest of the team, I think. I forgot. Oh, one guy had 14, and after that, everybody else is in single digits. Was it Igor Narl that had 14? Yeah. Uh, No, it wasn't. It was uh, Prosper. Prosper was one of seven from three, too. So if he was hitting a couple more threes, that really would have changed the game. I kind of like Kohler, too. He's a little underrated on on Marquette. but They got a good team. Yeah. Um, second half, like I mentioned, Crowell getting a little assertive. Badgers led by as many as 16. That's when Connor Seijan started to get going. Chucky Hepburn hitting another th- another three. Let's get into overtime. So two things I want to bring up. First of all, Tyler Wall is starting to operate in space. Like he doesn't have the same athleticism, but like I feel like Tyler Wall has Giannis's layout package. <laughs> the, the, the Euros. <laughs> Dude, he did the Euro and he did the thing where like he brings the ball up over his head to gather it. And uh-huh. then he just laid it right in. And I'm like, okay like i was a little shook i'm not gonna lie like that was tyler wall tyler wall just did that all right i'm here for it and then the other thing i wanted to bring up was max cousins getting a lot of credit as he should for making the the quote-unquote game-winning shot because it's the one that put the badgers ahead for good i want to give chucky hepburn credit because he got double teamed, and instead of just picking up his dribble and panicking, Chucky Hepburn broke a double team with the dribble. He dribbled all the way along the sideline and then down the baseline with a defender next to him and one behind him, and he broke a double team by himself with his dribble. And I wanted to give Chucky Hepburn credit for not panicking in that situation and you know getting panicked or scared into a turnover. Um, for him to keep his cool, to, to find Max Klesman, to get him that bucket. So I wanted to give Chucky Hepburn some credit on that last play too. About that layup by Klesmit, that right there is the difference between Big Ten and Big East because the Marquette guy was bigger than Klesmit. Mm-hmm. Klesmit was like, listen, you're not you're either gonna foul the shit on me or you're gonna hit the weight room. <laughs> you got two options and he fell to the ground. That's what was that's what his option was. Um Klesman, absolutely. I mean, no no fear in his eyes. He grabbed that song bitch and he went up for the layup like he knew he was gonna make it. I, this team, I'm telling you, has crazy potential. It does. I'm with you on that. All right. <clears throat> so you mentioned you mentioned the guy's stats. I wanted to throw out that um Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn, and Max Klesmit all had two steals each. Oh wow, that's massive. Yeah. And then Fundamental failures, you mentioned the 15 turnovers to the Badgers. Um, Marquette, 18 points off turnovers. So that's something you mentioned, limiting turnovers. Like, limiting the points off of turnovers would be something that could have made this game potentially a a regulation win for the Badgers. Only six second-chance points. That is fantastic. That tells me that the Badgers are boxing out, they're finishing possessions, and, you know, on the rare occasion that they do give up an offensive rebound, they're not letting another good shot go up or letting a guy go straight back up. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is good. 
Um, and Badgers, this is going to come back to be annoying, but the Badgers only missed five free throws in the first game. Uh, 29 fundamental failure points. That's not bad for a game that went into overtime. Um, obviously, they're going to be a little bit lower in college because there's less time on the clock, but they played 45 minutes in this one, so there's a little bit higher on the fundamental failure points. But um, is there anything else you want to throw out about the Marquette game? I'm glad they broke that streak of, of winning at home and, went, and losing on the road. That's all I'll say. All right. All right, let's go to Maryland. Give me your thoughts on last night's game. Well, you said it was going to be annoying, so I'm just going to start with it because that's all I can think about when I think about mm-hmm. this game. The free throws. What the fuck? I, I literally thought I was going to have a fucking stroke watching. Oh, dude, front it, it hurts so bad every time they miss the front end of a one-and-one, and I'm like, no. Like, dude, if you miss the second one, whatever. Just make the fucking first make the one. Make the first one. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so... 17 to 27 in last night's game. Like I said, we got a ton of free throws. We were being aggressive. Oh. Um, on the week through the two games, we were 25 of 40, 62 percent. That's not gonna cut it. Yeah, they were That's- so good in the other two aspects, too. I know they I missed know. 10 free throws, they only gave up seven points off turnovers. I know, and only four second chance points. They only had eight turnovers in the game. Oh. We forced Maryland into 14. We had 14 assists. Maryland only had nine. So, I mean, when you look at this game all up and down, I mean, we lost a rebounding battle, which we have a lot this year. So, that's why I said you clean up free throws and you clean up rebounding, this team could be real good with their timely shooting and their ability to just lock you down on defense. Mm -hmm. Finish defensive possessions. Finish them. It's not done unless you get the damn ball. Yeah. That's um, a good point because they, they're so locked in and everybody's so bought in. They are. The, the annoying thing, though, ball. is a lot of fucking long rebounds, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. I funny. feel like a lot of them are, like, in that mid-range. Like, some of them bounce past the free throw line. Well, it's just a like, lot of teams are shooting threes against the Badgers. Like, yeah. Like, because they have – down against the Badgers in the post. Like, that's just – Because they have, they have no other options because we play such good defense, right? Right. That's what I look at it as, at least. Um, right. it's not, but it's not I like did want to give a shout out to... shots to create. It's kind of way right. I look at it. I did want to give a shout out to your guy Gilmore. I thought he was phenomenal last night. He gave some yeah. really, really, really good minutes. If he was better on free throws, he would have had a fantastic game. But yeah. still, his his energy on defense. Mm-hmm. I'm so I was like, I wanted him to make that and one layup so bad. The lefty <laughs> yeah, one. I was I like, know. ah, if you would have just finished that, it would have been I like. Know. It would have been like, yeah, Gilmore's having a game, bro. Um, but he was he was good. Uh, the Badger shot seven to twenty one from three. That's not horrible. But that's not good. I feel like that number has potential to get better. They get a lot of good looks. Yeah. Um, gave up ten threes to Maryland, but only twenty one of fifty five on field goals for Maryland. So that's a thirty eight percent. That's not bad. You can live yeah. with that. You you hold teams to thirty eight percent shooting. You're going to win a lot of goddamn basketball games. You're going to win a lot of 60 to 50. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, man, um, I got I got nothing. Um, I do have one goal for the for, for the Badgers. Right now their season free throw percentage is at 71%. That's eh. If this team Very really, average. If this team really wants to take off, I have a goal for them to be at 80% at the Ooh, season's end. I was going to guess 78 I wrote down seventy-seven to eighty. I just went to the high end right there. Ah, so I was if, in your, I was in your range. You were right. in my range. I'll if they it. get, if they get to eighty percent and they rebound the basketball, 
this this team could be a three to four seed, in my opinion. Yeah, that would put them in the twelve to sixteen. The the Purdue game is going to be tough this year. <laughs> I'll just say that because I'm going to be honestly, Iowa is going to be tough. I was I was tough. Did they end up beating Duke last night? Or they? I don't know. I only saw like the first ten minutes of the game. Yeah, I'll have to double check while you while you make your your points here. Uh, okay, go ahead. Um, so with the Maryland game, there was a lot of a lot of things that haven't happened to Maryland this season that happened last night. So for first things first, Maryland, their largest deficit this entire season was three. They had not been down by more than three points this entire season. They were down seven in the first nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Then, so here, this is this is fun. The, la- the last seven teams to come into the Cole Center, eight and oh, the Badgers are six and one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... Uh, Maryland coming into this game was averaging 85 points per game. Wisconsin held them to 59. Wow. 26 points below their season average. Wow. That is insane. That actually. is defense. Yeah. Well, well, we already saw the potential for this defense against Kansas. We really did. Yeah, that that's why I feel so highly six below their average, bro. <laughs> is Brittany, you're you absolutely are foreshadowing what I'm about to say. As tough as this football season has been, you know, with as many losses as we've had to endure from Packers, who are not out of the playoffs, by the way, but we'll get into that discussion on Friday. Um, yep. and Badgers football, which is definitely on the up and up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as tough as these fo- this football season has been, this basketball se- the basketball season is gonna be fucking real good for this state. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So, yeah, yeah. first half, Badgers are doing a really good job of cutting to the basket, mm-hmm. um, especially Jordan Davis and Max Klesman. Those two cutting to the basket just damn near constantly. And this is where I want to get into Stephen Crowell. This is where I'd like to see Stephen Crowell be more assertive. This was a tale of two halves in addition to this, was the first half the Badgers were basically trying to get it basically seemed like they were trying to get a paint touch every single possession, which is very much a Wisconsin basketball thing. You know, we want to get a paint touch every possession. We get a paint touch every possession. It's just got to touch the paint once. Got to get the ball into the post once. And it seemed like the Badgers were were vigorously trying to get Stephen Crowell the ball every possession. And it's not that they were, like, trying to play through Stephen Crowell. It's just, like, I don't know if they were just trying to make Maryland think about it to get Maryland to suck their defense in a little bit. And then in the second half, Maryland started to double that pulse touch. And you could tell it kind of frustrated Stephen Crowell a little bit. And a lot of times he was getting the ball and turning and just kind of had on a swivel, not really sure where to go with the ball. Um, So that's potentially a learning thing for Stephen Crowell is, hey, you get the ball, you turn, face up. As soon as you see the double team, ball's got to go. And he's a good passer for a big man. Bro, he is. He's, he's been our leading, leading our team in assists like four times this year. Yeah, he's leading our team in assists per game on average yeah, this year. Yeah, he is. 
I think he had seven one games last week, I think. I don't remember, but I think he did. I'm pretty sure he had seven in a game last week. I'm looking now because I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh no, that was that's rebounds. Fuck. Sorry. Um Crowell was the leader with three against Kansas. All right. For some reason, I thought he had a game of seven assists. I don't know why. <laughs> That's a lot for, for a big man. Yeah. But he's had multiple games where he was leading the team with three multiple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, so to end with Maryland, Badgers get an 8-0 run, fueled by a Connor Asijan three, two threes, sorry. Um, and Maryland goes on a stretch of field goals 0 for 10. That was like a seven-minute stretch where Maryland didn't score a field goal. Yeah, Maryland was was shook by Wisconsin's physicality, in my yeah. opinion. But unfortunately, there was seven thousand six hundred and fifty-four whistles last night. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Only nine of them were in the first half. <laughs> um, I saw a, annoying. I saw a tweet. It was counting, and it was twenty fouls with four and a half minutes to go in the game still. That's uncalled for. Um, Brittany, field goals are – it's a collective, so field goals counts two-pointers and three-pointers. That's what Mm -hmm. what field goals are called. Um, So then if you want to say, you know, he was this for this on field goals, that includes two-point baskets and three-point baskets. That's just the general term. And baskets are like the basket, the rim. Yeah, that's, that's the physical thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Stephen Crowell finished with 12 points, six rebounds, three assists. Jordan Davis, eight rebounds or eight assists. Fuck. Starting over. Jordan Davis, eight points, six rebounds. That's what he had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say about Maryland? Overrated. I agree. They went from 22 to 13. What the hell? Yeah. And the Badgers not being ranked is fucking disrespectful. Get your shit right. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Not even because I'm a fan of the team, but God damn, they are definitely one of the 25 best teams in the nation right now. Yeah. To go from beating Dayton to should have beaten Kansas. Mm Mm-hmm. Beating USC, obviously they. I mean, beating Marquette even, who just, just dog walked Baylor. Yeah. In their and building, you know, by the way, couldn't couldn't get them twenty four. Right. All right, whatever. But now that they beat Maryland, I have a feeling they're probably going to be ranked. They can't keep fucking disrespecting us, man. Come on. Beating uh, beating Maryland will put them in in the top twenty. And, it, and it's not like even in our losses we got freaking destroyed. They're close losses. We're not getting killed by anybody. Hasn't like almost every Badger game this year been decided by single digits? I would think so. I mean, we lost to Kansas by one, and right. I don't remember how much did we lose to to Wake by three, four, uh, two or three, two or three, three, yeah. Four I'll, points I'll total. Pull it up just to check, because. Hang on, I got. 
I got it. You All got right. It? So. Okay, so first game they beat South Dakota by 26. Mm -hmm. Second game they beat Stanford by 10. But mm -hmm. then, okay, they beat Green Bay by 11. But then they won by one, lost by one, won by five, lost by three, won by three, and won by five. So the last five games have all been single digits. Heart attack, heart attack roll right there. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. And if they would make their goddamn free throws and rebound the ball, ten-point win. Ten-point win. Ten missed free throws, only seven points off turnovers, and only four second-chance points. Twenty-one fundamental failure points, and they could have cut that down by five more and had sixteen. That would have been bonkers to have only sixteen. If we if we would have only missed five free throws and we would have whooped the hell out of Maryland, I'd have been like, oh, okay, look, I would I would have been cocky right now. <laughs> Which we should have. We should have whooped their ass. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Badgers, they play Sunday at Iowa. This is another opportunity to kind of have like a resume builder. It's not, you know, Iowa's not a team beating the door down of, of the college basketball landscape. But they do have Keegan Murray's older brother, Chris, which I was like, okay, that's weird. That's his older brother, not his younger brother. <laughs> Imagine being older and sucking. <laughs> but... Chris Murray is averaging 19 points and 10 rebounds a game. So they're at Iowa on Sunday. What do you have for the result? That's the only game we have between today and next Wednesday. <sighs> Iowa is so goddamn annoying. They're like so even with us in, in football and basketball. It's annoying. And it, it's and I talked about playing at Kinnick Field. It's a tough place to play. Um, I don't even know what the basketball stadium's called, but it's a tough place to play. <sighs> Probably like the the corn built field house, <laughs> corn corn maze arena. <laughs> um, I'll just I'm gonna pick the Atlanta Badgers to win. I think it's gonna be ugly. Um, they gave up 74 to uh, to Duke last night and lost. They lost 74 62. I think I saw, but hmm. um, I don't think Duke is that crazy this year. Um, but I think the Badgers can go in there and beat them. Duke is ranked like 15th just because their name is Duke. Yep. Agreed. And because um, they get number one recruits. I will say I had this one pegged as a loss. I had the Badgers going four and two in December, losing to Maryland and Iowa. Those are the mm -hmm. two that I had picked uh, when we did our primer. Um, going into Iowa, if this game was at home in the Kohl Center, I'd probably change my thought on it. But being at Iowa, that's where I, I kind of gave the edge. Like you said, I think it's going to be an ugly game. So – It'll probably end up being something like the Badgers lose like 58-56 or something like that. Um, and it'll be it'll be a slugfest just like football games. So annoying. So goddamn annoying. I know. I just hate Iowa. Just for no apparent reason, just hate Iowa. Just fuck you, Iowa. <laughs> like, all right, real talk. What does Iowa do for the United States? I mean, they make corn. So does Nebraska. They named their team after it. <laughs> I was not ready for so much truth. Um, <laughs> God, both those states are just fucking useless. They're just flat. Like it's just, fucking... dude, it's just cornfields. That's all that it is. They don't even have any. And you know, you know what? Fuck Iowa worse. I'm just gonna say that because they the AAA team for the Cubs is there. So fuck them. That's, That's how bad. I feel. 
Yeah, no one likes Iowa except my brother. And Curtis, fuck Iowa. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you fuck Iowa as soon as this is over. <laughs> I'm just gonna text him fuck Iowa for no reason. No context, nothing. Completely unprompted. Oh yep. hey, I was thinking of you today. Fuck Iowa, by the way. Shit, I'll do that right now. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. All right, so that's all we got on the Badgers. Um, we're gonna switch to Bucks basketball. Uh, I'm gonna give my power pair first so that Jake doesn't take one of my guys because I know we're both gonna have Giannis on this list because he's Giannis. He's yeah, he's Giannis. I mean, how many weeks did we have last year where we didn't both have him in the power pair? Dude, it's you, you can, can probably count, count it on one hand. Yeah. Um, Giannis could probably be his own category, and then we could do two other power pair players and still have an underrated performer and just have a Giannis category. Um, that's that's just how dominant he is. He's on a seven game streak of thirty plus points. If if he scores thirty tonight against Sacramento, he will tie Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's franchise record for thirty plus point games. He owns Sabonis a little bit. He does own Sabonis. So I think he has a good chance. And the Kings give up a fuck ton of points. I know they I know they're exciting this year because they score a lot, but they give up a lot of points. Listen. I like De'Aaron Fox. I do. I think he's a good player. Yeah. Um, he's not an MVP candidate. People need to chill with that. Yeah. Drew Holiday is the perfect equalizer for a guy like that. Yeah. He's the equalizer for everybody. <laughs> that's that's valid. Um, so it's not going to be like – I'm going to tell you right now, De'Aaron Fox is not going to have 24 points and 10 assists. And – if he gets to 24 points, it's going to take him at least 20 shots to do it. I would think so, too. That's that's how I feel about tonight. Um, so, over those seven games that Giannis has scored those 30 points, the Bucks are 5-2. and two. So, if the Bucks would go 5-2 and two every seven-game stretch of the season, um, that would put them around 58 wins. That's a lot of wins. I like that. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's you know, we – that 56 to 60 range is right around where we had the bucks projected. I think I had them like 56 or you had them 56 and I had them 55. So to be five and two over the seven game stretch of Giannis scoring 30 points. um, I think that puts them right where they want to be. So yeah. um, With that over the last week, this is just absurd. (laughs) 37 points, 11 rebounds, just shy of six assists. And only a little over three turnovers, which I I can live with, especially because Giannis isn't a guy who's only turning the ball over just by dribbling the ball off of his feet or making bad passes. Giannis also does get a lot of offensive foul calls, which mm-hmm. count as turnovers. So mm-hmm. factoring that in and another facet of Giannis's game that does draw him more turnovers to only average just slightly over three is it's not a terrible number, and I can live with it. Um so I'm I'm fine with just over three turnovers a game if Giannis is getting in that six assist area too, and scoring fucking thirty seven points over the last week is just that's just nasty. Yeah, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so the other one I have is I have Bobby Portis. Yes, in sir. My, my other my other power pair player, just shy of sixteen points a game over the last four games, averaging ten rebounds as well. Listen, I'm going to say this right now. Bobby Portis carried the Bucks in the uh, Charlotte. in the Charlotte game. He yeah. carried the Bucks. Yeah, he did. Listen to this and tell me that this doesn't sound like a Giannis stat line where he plays like 25 minutes. 
20 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Yeah. He was hooping, bro. Dude, Bobby is killing it. He is a bargain, even at his at his pay raise. He bet on himself by taking, you know, opting into his player option last year and, and taking a smaller deal last year. And getting his reward for that is awesome. Um Bobby Portis, he's all right. Let me say this. Bobby Portis has developed a relationship with Milwaukee, like I feel Jim Leonard had with Wisconsin. I 100% will put him on that level. That's that's the that's the feeling I get from from watching and talking about him. I agree. All right. So those seven assists that he had against Charlotte was his career high, actually. Uh, career high seven assists against Charlotte. He had three double doubles in the last four games. The Charlotte game was the only one he didn't get the double digit rebounds, and he was yeah. two rebounds and three assists shy of a triple double. So All right. there's that. Uh, 52.8% from the field. And Bobby Portis is tied for third in the NBA, in the entire NBA in double doubles. He is. He is. That's insane for a bench player. <laughs> that is insane. Um, and then my underrated performer, I put AJ Green. Um, you and I know I know talked about this. Uh, eight points against Charlotte for AJ Green, and then 12 points against Orlando on Monday night. And the reason I had AJ Green. I wanted to give him so much credit is not only over his last two games is he shooting five for seven on threes, which is just awesome, mm-hmm. but he kept the Bucks afloat when Orlando went back into their zone defense and the Bucks kind of went cold. Pat Connaughton missed a couple threes. Drew Holiday, um, not Drew Holiday, sorry, George Hill missed a three. Um, Giannis was having trouble getting good looks at the basket. Mm-hmm. And A.J. Green, he got a quick five points. And was kind of a spark plug for the Badger or for the Bucks while they were kind of going cold against Orlando's zone. So I wanted to give him credit for that as an underrated performer because that was an underrated aspect of his game that doesn't show up in a box score. Mm-hmm. Is that he kind of kept the offense afloat while the rest of the offense was going cold. So I wanted to give him credit for that. I agree. Um, yeah, and his shot is fucking pure. It's money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he so good high, jumper. like his his jumper's never getting blocked. No, um, unless a guy like jumps before he releases it and just has like amazing anticipation. Right, blocking that. Like it, like Derek Jones Jr. I feel like is a guy that could block his shot, but that's a very specific type of athleticism. Yeah, Giannis, but he plays on the same team, so <laughs> I would be mad if Giannis blocked his shot. So would I. <laughs> um, so to add on to Giannis, do you know how many field goals he attempted this week? Attempted? Mm-hmm. I do not. 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, he was 41 of 69 from the field, so 59% overall, 450 from three, so 26%. So ran on a season average. It is what yeah. it is. Um, my next guy is my boy. Uh, I just wanted to play his, his song. You know, can you do something for me? You know, my boy Drew Holiday. He was fucking hooping, dude. Wait till I tell you about this Orlando Such game. Plus no, I love that song, first of all. And I always think about Drew. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Holiday now that I know they play that song for him. He averaged mm. 22 points, 6.6 rebounds, eight assists, shot 49% from the field, and 39% from three. He was plus 26 this week. In the Orlando game, he was plus 19. Yeah. Drew fucking Holiday. Set he had 17 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists in that game. He was two rebounds shy of a triple double. He was on triple double watch. I I showed you that. Um, mm-hmm. or I texted you that. So for my UP. Um, I, I picked a guy that I actually was talking about before this season. And I was really excited about, and I think he's having some pretty good growth. Um, uh, I picked Mamu Carlos Vili. Mm, that's a good um, one. Good job. He had, good one. he had six points, six rebounds, a block, um, in the Charlotte game, uh, two of six, one of four from the three point line. And then in the Orlando game, he had 8.6 rebounds, two assists, a block, a steal. Um, he was plus 17 in the Orlando game. That was second on the team. Plus 17. He was really good. Um, so his averages, he averaged seven rebounds, six assists. He added two assists, two blocks of steal. He shot 45% from the field and 43% from three. He hit a massive three yes, in, he did. Uh, in the, the Charlotte game. Yep. Um, absolute massive three. He caught it, shot it, didn't even second guess it, just put that motherfucker <laughs> up and it went in. If he can have the ability to block shots and stretch the floor, I'm not saying he's going to be Brooke Lopez, but to have that same stratosphere of impact, yeah. that'll be massive for the Bucks going Shit, forward. I mean, current Brooke Lopez is Brooke is like defensive player of the year. Yeah, and I'm not expecting Mamu to get to that point, but let's be honest. When when Brooke came into the league, nobody expected Brooke to be defensive player of the year. Right. He was giving up buckets. I mean, he was he was a 20 and 10 low post guy. Yeah. And he that's what we thought he was going to do for the rest of his career, and he has absolutely transformed his game to become a Fucking unicorn, really. <laughs> Dude, he's averaging a career-high three-point percentage and leading the league in blocks by a wide margin at 34 years old. Dude, the guy has the ability to hit seven threes and get seven blocks in a game. Name another center. I dare you. Anthony Davis. He's not a real center. And I'll say it. I don't think it's as likely to happen, but I think Miles Turner is capable of doing it. Maybe he has the. Uh, I don't see it happening, but I think he's got the capability to do it. Okay, I'll give you Miles Turner. I'm not giving you Davis because he's not a real center. He's he's a power forward playing center. Yeah. All right, let's get the ugly game out of the way. Thankfully, the Bucks still won it. 
But yeah. let's let's talk about the Bucks and the Knicks game. This game was so ugly to start. It was ugly at the end, man. I mean, the three point shooting alone is ugly to talk about. The Bucks were yeah. ten of thirty five, <laughs> and the Knicks were six of thirty. Ew. Oh, can, I, can I break it down a little bit farther than that, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so one of the things that I had as a takeaway from this game was that it was a tale of two halves. So I'll just put this on your three point or your three point. Um, your point about three pointers is they were four for twenty two in the first half and six of thirteen in the second half. So the ten of twenty five is a little misleading because they they took nine fewer and made two more in the second half. So six for thirteen in the second half. So go ahead. That's just how it goes. Um, the Bucks shot forty three percent. Uh, the Knicks shot 42%. I feel about this game the way I kind of felt about the, the Marquette and the Wisconsin game where it was kind of even when you looked at the box score. You're like, rebounds are close. Assists are close. Uh, turnovers are close. The Bucs only had six turnovers in this game. The Knicks had eight turnovers. Both teams took fantastic care of the ball. So one of the things I wanted to talk about this week is the points in the paint because it's really, really starting to annoy me. And I know that this year, you know, one thing that we're doing is we're crashing the offensive boards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't win the rebounding there. So that sucks. And then we're trying to take away three pointers. So only giving up six threes is really, really nice. I don't think mm-hmm. the Knicks are a good shooting team in the first place. Right. But to hold them to basically one for five is nice. But to give up 64 points in the paint, when we're talking about our center being defensive player of the year, how bad would it be without him? The the Bucks average forty six points in the paint allowed. So that is give you some reference. But, man, in the first two games this week, it was way over that season average. Um, yes. I will give I will give them a shout out for one really really good thing that they did in this game, and that's twenty one of twenty six on free throws. Mm. That I love to see. The Knicks yes. were only thirteen of twenty. Um, other than that, I just got to say Grayson Allen, <laughs> Grayson Allen. And then that's all I got of the next. This game all right. Ugly. So, like I said, tail of two halves. Um, first half, the Bucks were up 47-45 at the end of it. Oh, man, this is so bad. It took two and a half minutes for the Bucks to score their first points. Two and a half minutes to score points. Yikes. Oh, man. They started, they started four of 17. And 0 for 8 on threes is how they started this game. Yeah. It was they, <laughs> they got to 1 for 9, thankfully, off of an offensive rebound and a kick out to Drew Holiday. Um, and I want to give I want to give Budenholzer some credit for calling a timeout at the time that he did. The Bucks went on a 7-0 run out of their timeout and finished the first quarter on an 11-2 run. Mm-hmm. Um, first half. 19 of 51 on field goals, 37.3%. Four of 22 on threes, that's 18% on threes in the first half. That's gross. Second half, 20 of 39 on field goals, that's 51.3%. Six of 13 on threes, that's 46%. Mm -hmm. Much better in the second half. Um, Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen were kind of having a tough first half. They were both hitting in the second half, thankfully. Grayson Allen was driving to the basket with a purpose in this game. Um, and I want to give Javon credit 
or Javon Carter credit for defending Jalen Brunson very well. He finished eight of 22 and 0 for four on threes. Mm. So I want to give Javon credit some Javon Carter some credit. Then Giannis and Bobby Portis both got their 12th double doubles of the year in this game. Bobby Portis had 10 points, 12 rebounds. Five of them were on the offensive side of the ball. There was a shit ton of offensive rebounding going on in this game, including the Knicks who had 19 offensive rebounds. That was all Mitchell. That's, oh man, that cannot happen. That was Mitchell. Mitchell was dominating this game. Mitchell Robinson is a monster and Mm -hmm. I like him a lot. Mm -hmm. I wish he wasn't on the Knicks. Um, but yeah, that dude's a monster. He's he kind of reminds me of Andre Drummond a little bit. Hmm. Actually, I don't really like Andre Drummond that much. I feel like he's kind of fizzled out. I agree. I but like I would take Duke can still uh, rebound. Yeah, I, I I agree with your impact, but I would take Mitchell Robinson over Drummond every day. Currently, I would too. Yeah, but like prime Drummond, like. Dude was he nice. was a problem. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. So now the really annoying part of this game is the way that Giannis fouled out. Because yeah. and I know I, I have the benefit of hindsight with this on challenging Giannis's sixth foul, but the fourth and the fifth foul that Giannis got were both flops by Brunson. His fifth foul came on Brunson doing the Trey Young head jerk which was annoying, and his fourth foul came on Brunson flopping on a screen that Giannis was setting. They're calling a lot of moving screens this year, man. Yeah, and they're calling a lot of travels in um, since November started. Well, not not on Maryland, but... Dude, that was <laughs> Sorry. annoying as hell. Sorry. They dragged their pivot foot every single time they drove to the lane. Every time. That was, was annoying the hell out of me. I was seeing it too, bro. I was like, come on. All right. So you brought up free throws. Giannis, 9 for 12, 75%. That's perfect. Yep. And then we were talking about Grayson Allen, his catch-and-shoot ability. I kind of talked about maybe the Bucks trying to take him and use him the way that they would have used Jordan Clarkson if they had traded for him. Uh, and then he gets a catch-and-shoot three that basically wins the game. So just want to give myself <laughs> a little bit of credit for that. Um yes. That shot also helped propel Grayson over 2,000 career points. And in this game, Brooke Lopez also passed 700 career three-pointers. I like both of those things. I do too. Um, You mentioned only six turnovers. That's great. Um, Only five missed free throws. That's also great. They only allowed five points off those turnovers. That's that's 10 fundamental failure points right there. So you're thinking they got to be in good shape, right? But they allowed those 19 offensive rebounds that, oh, God, that turned into 30, 30 second-chance points. Holy hell. That's so many second-chance points. It is. That just showed me that the Bucks could win a blowout game if they limit second-chance points, even when they're not shooting well. The Bucks can still blow teams out. If they just control that aspect of the game. That is scary. scary. (laughs) That the Bucs could have a night where they shoot 10 of 35 on threes and still beat you by 15. Bro, they got to be the favorite toward the title. Let's be honest. I I get people saying Boston just because Tatum and Brown are balling right now. But 
once Middleton is back, like playing healthy and playing, you know, like under NBA conditioning and stuff, like, bro. Yeah. There's nothing that the Celtics do better than the Bucks. I'm I am so excited for the Christmas Day matchup. I want to fucking pound them. I hope we win by 29. I hope we win by 30 just so I can say, ha ha. <laughs> they win by 30, I'll be even happier. 29 was the bare minimum. <laughs> All right. So glad we well, I guess we still gotta do one more ugly game. But this was this was at least fun ugly. Like this game was at least yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I know you were kind of keeping track of it while we were doing the, the Packers show, but I ended up re-watching it the next day. Um, 133 points allowed. That's, that's uncalled for. That's insane. It took Anthony was, Davis having the game of his life, basically. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of those things where, like I say, I say it a lot that good offense beats good defense every time, and I I believe that to be true with pretty much every sport. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, Giannis did his thing as well. Bucks scored 129. That was their second highest total, um, only to the double overtime win yeah. against Oklahoma City. Yeah. So, what did you see from the Bucks and Lakers game? I know one of your takeaways is already going to be something that I have on here, but um, I gotta say, man, holy shit! Both teams were highly efficient. Yes. Um, the thing that really changed this game in the Lakers' favor, with, and this is going to sound crazy, and I know a lot of people are going to hate on it, other than Anthony Davis, I feel like Russell Westbrook had a fucking fantastic game. And he his did. ball movement with the second unit was mm-hmm. fucking phenomenal. And it, it allowed the Lakers to play with a little bit more pace. And I know the Bucks play fast too, but they weren't playing on their terms of pace. And that's, sure. that's the thing that people have to understand. And the Lakers were kind of controlling the game for most of it. And Russ mm-hmm. Westbrook was a really big part of that. And I know I don't like when – God, this bothers me so much. Listen, I know that we stick up for players and we don't want people to be, to be disrespectful and we still believe in that. Mm-hmm. But a little bit of trash talk to a professional athlete, I don't want to see the professional athlete be like, get him out of here, <laughs> cry about it. Like – Bro, you talk some of the most shit in the entire league. What do you think the reaction to that's going to be, dude? Come on. You should be able to handle being called Russell Westbrook. Like, that's that's pretty harmless. Like, as long as guys aren't throwing, like, racial slurs and, you know, like, swearing at you and stuff, like – that, that would be like Giannis crying about the fans going like, one, two. That's the exact you same should, thing. You should be able to handle it. You suck, Westbrook. Like, come on. If, right. If the arena staff, like, agreed that it was worth giving him a warning and letting him go back to his seat, like, you should have been able to let it go and let him go back to his seat. But the thing that really, really bothered me about it is that Westbrook went up to him after, like, I don't know what he said. We don't know what he said. I didn't hear it, at least. I don't know if you heard it, but – you know, if he just called him Westbrook, uh, Westbrook, you know, it's just like you have to go up to him about that. Like, really, does that right. does that make you feel like more of a man? Like seeing him eye to eye, dude. If you would if he would have came up to me and I'm not even shitting and I called him Westbrook, Westbrook in front of, in front of his face, he would have came up to me. I'm like, yeah, that's your name. Now I don't believe that because right. I I actually like Russell Westbrook. You know, I like him as a player. I think he's a good player. Um, I don't think his fit with the Lakers is good at all, but I think that moving to the bench was a really, really good move. But if you would have came up to me, I'd have been like, yeah, all right, come on, man. You think you're a tough guy, bro? Like, really? <laughs> like, you look stupid right now. 
talking to me, bro. I'm a guy that goes to work nine to five. Right. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Um, that's the one thing that really, really bothered me about that. But he had a fantastic game. The yeah. one thing I want to point out, 70 fucking points in the paint, dude. Oh, God. Dude, that is so bad. That's almost – that's oh, that's 24 points above their season average. Bucks are fourth in the NBA in points in the paint at 46.3 points a game. I mean, and the Bucks scored 54. So, if we would have held them around – dude, if, even if we would have held them to 60 and they still would have outscored us, this is a winnable game. But the fact yeah. we allowed fucking 70? That's insane. That's bad. That's more I mean, than half. Yeah. That's bad. Um, and like I said, oh God, what it wasn't Lonnie Walker. Who the hell was that other guy that was running to the rim good for the Lakers? I can't think of his name. Um, but there was a backup uh guard for them, and he was just fucking lighting it up on this on the secondary breaks after Westbrook got the got the rebounds on defense, but it wasn't Reeves, Westbrook was Westbrook it? was it who? No, it wasn't Austin Reeves. Reeves. They had no. um Oh, it was a guy that was a rookie. Was it uh, was it Troy Brown? It might actually be Troy Brown. But he was he was rim running like a motherfucker on us. Yeah. Um it was Troy Brown. That's what I was thinking okay. of. Um yeah, Troy Brown was just rim running like a motherfucker on us and Westbrook was finding him. Westbrook played with great pace. Um he yeah. was the main reason. You know, the other thing I want to talk about was bench scoring. We scored 23 points. They scored 31 points. You can't lose points in the paint and bench scoring, in my opinion, and win a lot of games. Those you got to win one. Got to win one. Um, points in the paint. We only gave up eleven three pointers. We hit seventeen, but that points in the paint that's going to haunt me for a long time. I never want to see us get close to that again. Yeah, that was one of my two takeaways as well. Um, the other one that I had was Chris Middleton is back. Yeah. Um, and he came back and he looked like himself. He, he played 26 minutes. He scored 17 points on six of 11 shooting. He was three for four on threes. He dished out seven assists and didn't turn the ball over. He was hooping, bro. That's an awesome debut. Obviously yes. we're going to talk about the Orlando magic game and he came back down to earth, but we'll talk about it. Um, <clears throat> so you brought up points on the paint already. Chris Middleton is back. Javon Carter was the guy that went to the bench. Um, we'll see. I have a very strong feeling that Budenholzer will continue to tinker with lineups um, throughout the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, so Javon Carter being on the bench now does not mean he's going to stay there. Uh, I think there's certainly um, a possibility at least that Javon Carter gets back into the starting lineup and Grayson Allen goes to the bench and Budenholzer just sees how it works out for a couple games. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a possibility this would be absolutely disgusting, but I think there's a possibility at points where we get a Drew, Chris, Giannis, Bobby, Brooke lineup. I want that to happen. So I can't wait for that, bro. I'm so excited for that to happen. That is a massive lineup that nobody has the size to match. And all the skill, all the shooting, the passing, the defense. Def- yeah. Oh, my God, bro. Drew, Chris, Giannis, Bobby, Brooke. That is massive. Orlando has that size when we talk about their starting lineup, but they do not have the Giannis. Giannis. You're right about that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Giannis, in this game, 
40 points, um, 69.9% from the field. Nice. <laughs> um, 8 of 11 on the free throw line again. So, you know, I'm surprised neither of us mentioned this when we brought up his power pair, but um, Giannis on free throws on the week, 9 of 12, 8 of 11, 8 of 11. That's fucking good. That makes me happy. Yeah. I put them in like the 72 to 75-ish area. He put stays like there. 74%. He stays there and people are taking chances to stop by putting him at the free throw line. They're going to pay. Yeah. Ask ask Phoenix how it goes when you when you follow Giannis in a series where he's making his free throws. We win the title. <laughs> and then we buy hats. <laughs> yes. And towels. Yes. All right. Um, that's it. Oh, sorry. Brooke Lopez, three more blocks, and then 14 second chance points, 14 points off turnovers, only three missed free throws, 31 fundamental failure points. Certainly livable. That's another situation where the Bucks played solid fundamentally, still lost. That's just credit to the Lakers for making shots. I agree. All right. Let's talk about the reserves game, Bucks and Hornets. <sighs> this game was fun. Uh, it was also frustrating. Um, I just wanted to talk about a story that I heard about, actually, about the Hornets. Um, Gordon Hayward's wife is talking about how they are the worst-run franchise in all of sports. He actually has a broken bone in his left shoulder, mm-hmm. and they called it a left shoulder contusion and told him mm-hmm. that he should get out there because it's only a bruise. When he showed them the x-rays, he literally played a game with a fucking broken shoulder. That is insane. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole deep story about it. And his wife is just letting out all the fucking dirty laundry. Nice. It's, it's ugly. Um, Can we I don't know trade how... for their play-by-play announcer? Yeah, for real, dude. I listened to, uh, because I stream all the games, I listened to their stream because I wanted to listen to that guy. So I was, I read, like, I watched the game. And then I like I rewatched the highlights as I was finishing my notes. And like the dude is just excited about everything. He is, dude. They scored ninety six, but you would have thought they scored one hundred and ninety six. He gets excited about everything. It's it's awesome. I love it. I love that for Charlotte. Like, good for you guys. You have something good going for you, even if you're not a good basketball team. All right. <laughs> um, man, their sports are kind of bad, bro. I mean, the fucking Panthers suck. Even though we're gonna be cheering for them to beat the Seahawks. Um, the Hornets kind of suck. Ugh. North Hornets. Carolina got knocked off being number one. Ugh. Yeah, that happened too. They lost the ACC championship game, didn't they? Yeah, to Clemson. Ugh. Man, rough, down, rough down there in the Carolinas. Yeah, they don't have a baseball team either. So, Oh, they have a good hockey team, don't they? No? Are the Hurricanes good? Carolina. Uh, I think they were good like last year. I don't know about this year. I haven't paid super close attention to hockey this year like I have in the past. Um. Well, anywho, uh, the Carolina sports suck, and you yeah. think Wisconsin sports suck, so mm. could be worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so things I noticed, uh, we shot 47%, almost 50%. You definitely live with that. We held them to under 40%. That's great. Um, 38% from three, 12 of 32. I'll Honestly, I'll take that ratio. I won't lie. 12 of 32 is a pretty good ratio. Five of 24 from the Hornets. That's bad. That's like horrible bad we are rebounded them uh we had 24 assists but 22 turnovers Mm, no 
Uh, the Hornets, 15 assists the whole game. 15. They left the entire game. They played a whole NBA game and only had 15 assists. Tyler Halliburton is averaging 10 by himself. The point guard you know, from Oshkosh, I know you yeah. know, but for the viewers, the point guard from Oshkosh, uh, born in Oshkosh, plays for the Pacers now, is averaging 10. They had 15 as a fucking team. I am embarrassed. They had 14 turnovers to go with that. They had 52 points in the paint. So 52 of their 96 points were in the paint. If we tighten that up, bro, they literally are not scoring shit. And we are going to – they're probably scoring like 70, and we're going to smack the hell out of them if we cut that in half, you know. And um, 31 of their points came off of turnovers. And 23 of their points came off of free throws. 23 of – 23 – of their 96 came for free throws. 23 plus 52 is 75. 75 and the 96 are, are in the paint and the free throw line. Think of, think how bad that is. That is horrible. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks, uh only eight fast break points. Obviously, no Giannis, no Drew Holiday, no Chris. That'll definitely right. hurt that. But um, – this was a game with backups, and we absolutely – I feel like we were in charge of this game the whole time, even though that it took Mamu to hit a really big three. If we played if we played our big three, it'd be an embarrassing loss for the Hornets. Yeah. All right. So, I mentioned the 31 points off turnovers. Only four mm-hmm. missed free throws, 11 second chance points for Charlotte, uh, 46 points on fundamental failures. So <sighs> – you cut down those points off turnovers and we're in business. Yeah. Um, this game was the second of a back-to-back and they were traveling from Milwaukee to Charlotte. And then after this game, they went from Charlotte to Orlando. So they were in three different cities in four days. So that's, that's where the rest comes in for the big three. Javon Carter, he's been in a slight funk the last couple games. That could be potentially why um, he was um, pushed to the bench when Chris Middleton came back, but he finished with 14 points and six rebounds. He was four of 10 um Mm -hmm. on field goals so you know it's that's pretty much the floor of where you want to be at Mm -hmm. um sorry he had six assists not six rebounds so he was 14 points six assists five rebounds and then had two steals um i strongly believe that javon carter and and pat Connaughton will both bounce back um i'm not worried about either one of them um and i'm gonna say the same thing when we get to the orlando game when we talk about another guy so, the other thing I wanted to bring up with this game, the Brooke Lopez block party. <laughs> Brooke Lopez tied. I, You know, they, they were saying that he should have had it, but Mamu had a block that got credited to him. Um, and Mamu did block it first, but Brooke Lopez blocked it harder. So, originally they gave it to Brooke, <laughs> but the stat correction gave it to Mamu. So, Mamu got one block, and Brooke Lopez got six, tying his um season high um oh, appreciate it um so tied his season high he also had 14 points six rebounds and three assists mm-hmm. now listen to this i'm listening pj washington has been averaging about 15 points a game this year mm-hmm. he was oh for 13 not his night oh and then Kelly Oubre was four for 14. I'm happy about that because I hate Oubre for no reason other than I just hate how he looks. <laughs> just hate him. 
Um, Grayson Allen and George Hill each held him to two for six. So combined against Grayson Allen and George Hill, Kelly Oubre was four for 12. Uh, Kelly Oubre is just, he just talked about too much for a bum. I think he's a scrub. Just going to be honest about it. He's he's athletic. Yeah, good for you. Um, and I so want to give Thanasis and Bobby Portis credit for guarding P.J. Washington. Those two combined for over eight minutes of the defensive matchup against him. You know, um, you talked to the two of them combined to hold him to over 10. You talked about the Hornets announcers before, and mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you brought up P.J. Washington because it brought back what I was hearing. They weren't even talking about how um, he was taking bad shots or anything. Mm-hmm. The announcers literally just gave credit to the Bucks defense. That's, that's literally what they did. And I love that. I love that they stayed right in the middle. You know, and when they would go to timeouts and stuff, they would obviously, you know, talk more Hornets – because you know they're they're a Hornets TV announcers right. and stuff, but when they when they would talk about the Bucks team, they gave a lot of credit. They're like, "This is a championship team." You know, the coaching staff, the players, all the way down to the twelfth man. They're like, "This is what a championship team looks like, Charlotte." And they did a fantastic job, man. They honestly might be my favorite road duo. I would, I would easily agree to that. Yeah, they were they were awesome, man. Nothing but love for them. Yeah, that's that's a good call out. That's. And we should, we can honestly, we can normalize giving credit to other teams when they're better. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, um, I literally I, just honestly, did it for the Lakers. <laughs> right. And I think, honestly, like, if I'm, I'm, I said honestly twice already, but I'm going to say, if I'm being honest, like, I think Packers fans can learn a thing or two from this. We don't have as, enough time to describe what they can learn. As can Badgers fans, football. God, spoiled brats. You know, it's not it's not always that our team sucks. Sometimes the other team is is good. Yeah, agreed. Bottom line. Um gotta give Jordan Wara a little bit of credit. It seems like every time we get to the, the point of asking, you know, is Jordan Wara done with the Bucks? He goes out and scores 17 points. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> but I want to give Jordan Wara credit because he had four rebounds, but three of them are offensive rebounds. Yeah, he does that every once in a while too. That he's so I wanted, weird, I wanted to bro. give him some credit. He's so fucking weird. Like you said, yeah, every time we're like, man, I'm done with him. He's just like, I'm just gonna hit a couple threes, grab some rebounds, you know, yeah. give you some hope again. It's like you are just such a son I'm gonna, of a bitch. I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go two for seven and then one for six and then three for eleven, and then I'm gonna go seven for eleven when the starters are out. And five of them are three pointers. Like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and then I wanted to give AJ Green and George Hill some credit. George Hill scored eight points and added five assists. Um, and then AJ Green had the eight points, and he was a team high plus 14. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about the Bucks and Hornets before we get into Monday night's game, the last game? No, I'm excited to talk about this game. I, I think you're going to have some good points. I'm also going to have some good points. This game but... was weird. It was. This game was really weird. Um, you look at the starting lineup for Orlando. It's freaking huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have teeny tiny little Markel Fultz. And then you have 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", 7'2", in the starting lineup. Yeah. So, just massive starting lineup. What did you see from that, that game? Fucking weird, <sighs> weird, weird game. 
I'm going to give credit to them, even though I didn't like how floppy and chippy they were being. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wagners are good. They're skilled players. Um, they can both shoot. They can both finish. They both are tough. Um, yeah. I'll give them credit for that. Tough-ish. Tough-ish, yeah. Um, Paolo Banchero is fucking good. Uh, he wasn't he, in this game, but overall, he's good. When he learns um, how to how to play at his own pace, he's mm. going to be a problem. Um, he Sometimes, you know, he's still a rookie, and he's still really early in the process, but yeah. you can already see the – the potential that Orlando saw when they took him first. He, he missed like seven games this season too. So I think it's worth mentioning that because we're going to give Chris Middleton the benefit of some doubt. Um, after coming back from some injuries, obviously Chris Middleton missed seven months, not seven games. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different, but for a rookie to miss seven games out of his first 20, like I'll give him, I'll cut yeah. him some slack. I'm not going to say that he's you know not deserving of being the number one pick because he shot poorly or anything like that, but the Bucks held him in check. Yeah. Um, and the thing about this game, man, there was a lot of free throws in this game that kind of slowed the game down. Uh, the Bucks were 20 of 26, and the Magic were 26 of 29. That's a lot of free throws, bro. Um, we had 17 turnovers, they had 14 turnovers. The one thing that I really, really like, and this is this is where it kind of gets weird, they had 21 assists, they made 34 field goals. The Bucks made 38 shots, 31 assists. Yes, I got a stat to go with that. That is fucking insane, dude. Again, out rebounded. I don't like that we're getting out rebounded. It's, it's weird territory for me. Um, I'm There's no the Brook Lopez in this game, so I think that's worth mentioning, know, especially in a, in a and no Serge Ibaka either. In a game yeah. where you're playing a team that has pretty much size. the only team that can match the Bucks for size, and then two of our big guys are out. True. Um, I will say the points in the paint weren't that bad. Holding them to 46 when they have all that size is absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah. We won the fast break. We killed them in that. We had 20. They had eight. So uh, the bench, 29 bench points for the Bucks, 16 for the Magic. So plus 13 there. That's massive. Plus 14 on the fast break, like I mentioned. And they only made eight threes, and we made 13. So we're plus five on the three-point mix. That's how you win ugly, weird games like this. That's a good point. Um, so I told you I have a stat for your 30, your 31 assists. The Bucks, they've had 60 games under Budenholzer with 30 or more assists. How many of them do you think they've won? They've had how many games? 60. This is going to be fucking nuts. I'm going to say 52. Close. Once you said 50, I'm like, shit, he's going to guess it. 56. Oh, my God. The Bucks are 56 and four under Budenholzer when they get 30 or more assists. No. <laughs> 56 and four. Okay, so hold on a second. Time out. So you're telling me if we get 30 assists and Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday play, we're fucking unstoppable? That's what you're telling me. Holy shit. I didn't expect 56. I guess what I'm telling too. you is that the Bucks, if that happens, have like an 87% chance to win on that alone. God damn. God damn. <laughs> I did not expect you to say 56. Um, so a couple of things before I get into the game itself. Um, 
this was Orlando's ninth straight loss. That's like they're they have potential and they have some good players. They have some good pieces, but they're they're not a winning basketball team yet. Is kind of how I feel about them. Um, I do want to give credit. Their head coach has good energy. Yep. I like their head coach's energy. He's up. He's all, he, honestly, he spent the whole game smiling, except for when he was trying to get some technical fouls called on him. Yeah. But like having a guy like that, I guarantee you his players love him. I yep. guarantee it. I guarantee uh, it just too. because of the energy that he has. And, and you could see him talking with his hands. And when guys, there was a point where like he was trying to set up his defense and, and guys were, were like given the signals for their defense and stuff. And they, you know, they got like the right signals that the coach wanted. And he's like, so like you can see that he's enjoying it, and you can tell that he like that that transfers to his players. So like he seems like the type of coach that I'd love to play for. Just he's got that energy. Um, so I wanted to give him credit for that. Now, the Bucks got off to a slight slightly slow start, and then to kind of get the ball going through the hoop, they went and got to the free throw line. Giannis went and got two free throws, and Drew Holiday went and got two free throws. That is, that's something a veteran team does. Mm-hmm. You're struggling to score. You go get to the free throw line, you get some free shots, you see the ball go through and start to, you know, build some confidence Absolutely. and some momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Giannis hits two threes, Mamu hits a three, Bobby Portis hits back-to-back jumpers, Drew Holiday beats the buzzer with another one, and the Bucks start rolling, and they roll until about the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And that's when... Orlando started playing their zone. They went back to their zone defense, and the Bucks kind of went cold. And that's why I brought up AJ Green as one of my underrated as my underrated performer. Uh, between him and Mamu, in that stretch where they were going cold, and I gotta give Mamu credit because the skill of a big man to dribble down to the post, get double teamed, and throw a left-handed wrap around pass around a big man. To Giannis, who's just standing there by himself for a big dunk when the other team's making a run. Mm, that was fantastic by Mamu. Great pass. We talked about that when we were doing our draft profile on him and how good of a passer he is. Mm-hmm. And he can handle the ball a little bit. Like, I'm not saying I want him running the offense or anything, but, like, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give him credit for that. I wanted to give both of them credit for keeping the Bucks' offense afloat um, during that stretch. I mean, the two of them combined for nine points in that stretch. Um, and then Mamu finished with eight points, six rebounds, two assists, one block, one steal, just filled out the stat sheet, put a, put a one at least in everything. Now, yep. one of my main takeaways from this game is defense because the Bucks played it when they needed to is Javon Carter – is so damn good at stripping the ball when guys bring it down by their waist. Yeah, he is. Every time a guy is trying to go up to either shoot or to dribble drive or whatever, like Javon Carter is slapping it out of your hand. Every time. He's so damn good at it. I had to give him credit for it. He's so good. And then the other thing I want to give credit, um, Chris Middleton. So Bull Bull is a massive dude. And the fact that he's 7'2 and can actually dribble is weird, but it's cool. Like, it's fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah. So, Bull Bull catches the ball, like, right inside the three-point line. He tries to dribble left, dribbles right into Chris Middleton's chest. 
He he turns his body, kind of does like a half spin, takes the ball from his left hand to his right hand, tries to drive towards the elbow right into Chris Middleton's chest. Then he tries to take one more dribble to his left, right into Chris Middleton's chest, and he has to give up the ball. Chris Middleton stayed in front of him three times without fouling, and obviously the size difference because he's got a size advantage on literally everybody except for Boban. Uh, so for Chris Middleton to stay in front of him through all three of those moves and then force a pass, I had to give him credit for that as well. And then lastly, I had to give credit for Drew Holiday being the primary defender on Paolo Banchero, who finished four of 16 from the field. He did go and get 12 points from the free throw line, but Drew Holiday, the main primary defender on Paolo Banchero, and he finished four of 16 from the field. Had to give him credit for that. Now, Mm -hmm. I mentioned already that Giannis has his seventh straight 30-plus point game. Um, He can tie Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record tonight. I also need to give Marcus Johnson some credit. During this game, Marcus Johnson brought up a really great point, and I actually put it in one of my articles because it's such a great point, I think, Mm -hmm. is that in the first half, I mentioned Giannis made those two threes, right? Because guys are giving him that cushion. Marcus Johnson brought up in the second half that guys are giving him that cushion. Giannis uses that like a runway. He does. And he, he's got basically two steps where he can get full speed coming at you, like a half-court transition. And, you know, once you what are you going to do? If you back up, you're in the restricted circle, and then he's dunking on you. Yep. And then basically you're at like a 50-50 chance of guessing which direction he goes. And say you guess right, you have a chance of drawing an offensive foul. You have a a greater chance of him taking one more dribble, spinning, and then dunking on your center. (laughs) It's over, bro. Or if you guess wrong, he's euro-stepping around you and finishing a layup and probably drawing a foul. The ridiculous thing about Yats is he goes either way and he finishes with either hand. And he actually dunks with the left hand a fucking lot. And I don't think people realize that. Also, he's really, really good with the finger roll. So, yeah. like, he's just – I don't know how you stop him. You just beg. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, like, take the scenario I just gave you. Mm-hmm. Basically, your only chance is to guess right and hope that he runs you over. Yeah, I agree. And then, even I then – have a jump shot. Me. He's got – five moves out of a situation and only one of them doesn't work for him. True that. I'll I'll play those odds. Um, Because people talk about taking the odds of him not making free throws. We could talk about taking those odds of he's going to make him, he's going to make the right decision. And that again goes back to his basketball IQ, which I said, we do not fucking talk about enough. That's a really good point. He was fucking high. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's I think the most growth that we've seen from him from his two MVP years where he's just like dominating physically and getting into championship Giannis. I think that's the biggest difference is his basketball IQ. I could 100% agree with that. I will say, though, there's few things I loved more than watching Giannis turn into an MVP from a skinny, scrawny rookie. Very few things that I loved. I will, I will never forget that first picture that we saw where he's got the white tank top on and he's holding the two dumbbells, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, that's Giannis? Bro, his arms were like this fucking big. That first summer where he just went from like, 
all right, like he's he's pretty athletic. You know, he's he's kind of scrawny, scraggly. You know, he's and then all of a sudden it's like, bro, he's a he's a whole truck. Like Giannis is a fucking unit, bro. <laughs> he's, a, he's yeah, he's a fucking monster, bro. Who's that fucking truck that uh, fucking Elon Musk was gonna come out with a couple of years ago? Remember that picture of that big fucking like future <laughs> army truck? That's what I look at as Giannis. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right. So Giannis finished with 34 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, two blocks. AJ Green finished with 12 points. He was four of six in the field, three of five from the three-point line. Love it. Um, Drew Holiday, 17 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists, two steals. And then fundamental failures. They cleaned up the second chance points. Uh, only gave up seven. They did give up 17 points off turnovers and missed six free throws for a total of 30 fundamental failure points. That's that's livable. Their average last season was 33. So being under that is is I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Portis had 18 and 10, so he got back into the double double column. Um, they put up a graphic during this game of the fewest minutes per game to be averaging a double double. Bobby Portis number one. Six by about a full minute. Clint Capella is a is behind him, but to be averaging a double double in less than twenty seven minutes a game is absurd. It is the efficiency for that. It's it's insane. <laughs> and it's I think insane. we talked about it last week that like if you look at his per thirty six minute numbers, his offense and his rebounding is like Kevin Garnett type numbers. It is. It's like eighteen and and almost fifteen. Yeah. That's nuts. That's that's our sixth best player on our team. Yes, we our have six. Yes, we have like <laughs> Kevin Garnett light as our sixth. Oh, man. you are all so fucked. You are all so <laughs> fucked. Oh my god, you're all so fucked. It's oh, hilarious fuck. to me. God, I hope we win the title so I could just become so fucking insufferable, dude. Oh. I'm going to act just like a Boston Celtics fan who didn't win the title for how many fucking years, except we're going to win two out of three, and I'm just going to be a giant jackass to all Celtics fans. <laughs> all right, so nothing's going to change. Cool. Um, <laughs> ah! <laughs> I well said I couldn't resist. Well played. I walked into that one, so that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the Bucks play tonight. They play the Kings, and then they play at Dallas on Friday. They play at Houston on Sunday. And then they're at home versus Golden State on Tuesday. So they go from Milwaukee to Dallas to Houston to Milwaukee. Um, they all right. Let's let's just give me your give me your record prediction on those four games, and then I want to kind of flesh something out. <laughs> Brittany said, "Is anything new too?" <laughs> uh, so pick my record. All right. Yes, I will say we're gonna beat the Kings tonight. Giannis will tie yep. Kareem's record. Yep. This is one of those games that I picked as a loss, sadly. Me too. Um, they're going to lose in the – we always struggle in Dallas for some fucking reason. All right, yep. Um, We're going to beat the Rockets because they're young yep. and inexperienced. I, I honestly think that could be a game just like the Magic. Really fast-paced, kind of ugly, but kind of sure. exciting at times. And then we're going to beat Golden State because we're in Milwaukee and Golden State's defense is kind of – they've gotten better, but they're still kind of eh. – I'm gonna pick three and one. All right, I say I'm gonna say two and two. But listen to me because you brought up the point that the Bucks are at home against Golden State. Mm-hmm. I do have the Dallas game as a loss. That's one like even before the season started, I has picked as a loss. I put Golden State because I 
don't think the Bucks' home court advantage is quite as big of a factor. The Bucks are 10th in the NBA in points at home. They're 11th in home field goal percentage. And they're 9th in net rating at home. Hmm. Interesting. So in what I feel is somewhat of an even matchup, whereas like I'd give the Bucks the edge defensively, Obviously, we know that Golden State has the yeah the ability to just catch absolute fire offensively. <coughs> I don't know that home court advantage is quite as distinct of a deciding factor. Okay. It certainly could be, and like the obviously these are all winnable games. Like, there's never a game where I'm going to be like, yeah, the Bucks can't win that game. It's yeah. just strictly speaking, from an analytical point of view. I do think this is one the Bucks could lose. The only reason, and I'll give you reason the reason why I picked the Bucks to win this game. One, Andrew Wiggins is not as good as Andrew Wiggins last year. His efficiency, his points, everything is down. Two, I think Chris Middleton will start getting his legs under him a little bit more by that point. So I think Chris Middleton become really, really key in this game. Uh, Clay Thompson hasn't been shooting that great. He has a game every once in a while. One game out of every five. Yeah, and. The Warriors don't have a single human being, not that anybody does, but the Warriors are not as good as they were last year, obviously, look at the record. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a single person on that roster that holds a fucking chance uh, with God on their side to stop Giannis. Nobody. And I swear to God, I got in so many arguments. Draymond Green will guard him. No, the fuck sure. he won't. He'll, he'll stand guard in front him. of him. That's not going to go well. It, he'll, dude, he is six foot six, bro. Six seven if he wears those high, high tennis shoes. Bro, he's not stopping Giannis. The 76ers signed PJ Tucker to do the same thing, and Giannis destroyed him. Early in his <laughs> career, Giannis struggled. But like, like you said earlier, and like we've said a bazillion times, his basketball IQ is just out of this world. So his he's this is what happens in the NBA. I'm just going to explain it to you guys real quick. Well, the reason why the peak age in the NBA is 27, 28 to like 34 is because the athleticism meets the brain. Yes. That is where the peak comes from. Mm-hmm. And Giannis, Giannis isn't even fucking there yet. <laughs> just turned 28. <coughs> just turned um, 28. I, just, I still think this guy could just keep getting better. And you know he's going to keep doing it to try to get yep. better. His heart and his hustle and his ability to just fucking grind is like nobody else I've ever seen in my life. So. Mm-hmm. I think Giannis and Chris Middleton, well, we're going to hear in the news, you know, because this is going to be a TNT game, 630. Um, I think we're going to we're gonna hear about how the Middleton and, and Adetokounmpo uh, duo is back. That's what I think we're going to hear. And I, that's totally, totally in the realm of possibility. And I'm uh-huh. actually going to take your first two points about Wiggins not being as good as he, as he was last year and Middleton having – you know, three more games under his belt by that point. Tie those two points together. Yeah. Like, the best case scenario Golden State can hope for is that those two push. I agree. And cancel each other out. Um, I don't think Wiggins is as good a defender as Chris Middleton. And I do think Chris Middleton has the ability to score more. Yeah. So... Like I said, I think Golden State's best case scenario is that those two cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really <laughs> wish we would have played them in the finals because I think we'd be talking about back-to-back. 
I truly do. Yeah. Curry versus, Curry versus fucking Holiday is that's must watch, dude. I mean, outside of Giannis, who's always fucking must watch, Curry versus Drew Holiday is fucking phenomenal matchup. Yeah, and you know they'd be switching it on defense that Curry would be guarding Grayson Allen because they're not letting Drew Holiday back Curry down. All that's fine, dude. Every dude <clears throat> once a quarter, Grayson Allen drives to the hoop and does like a fucking weird, crazy flip layup, and I'm just like. Who the fuck is this guy, bro? Like, <laughs> who do you think you are, <laughs> dude? Grayson seriously, Allen. he's dude, he is underrated in that aspect of getting to the rim and finishing mm-hmm. crazy acrobatic layups. Yep, I agree. This team is just crazy, bro. <laughs> if they don't um, win the title, I'm gonna be disappointed. I agree. I want to give, I want to give you credit first for bringing up Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez pick and roll. And I want to raise you a Grayson Allen and Giannis pick and roll. Yeah, that's – but, see, that's unfair because every pick and roll at Giannis <laughs> is – He's the best rim runner in NBA history. The best. The best. The best. He's, he can grab every fucking lob. He finishes with three, four people around him on a consistent basis. I mean, do you remember when LeBron was still in Cleveland – and we had the cream jerseys, but it was like the black one with the stripes mm-hmm. across the chest. Yep. I remember a lob, and I think it was Bledsoe that threw it. And it was like back here, and there's a guy under the rim, and Giannis dunked it. I think that was the day where I was like, yeah, he's the best rim runner ever, bro. <laughs> like he grabs everything. Uh, and then there was the one where LeBron was still in Cleveland, and it was in Milwaukee. And he, I don't remember who threw this lob, probably George Hill at this point because he was playing a lot for us. Threw it. It went off the backboard, and then it like fell on the ground. It was stumbling. Dwayne Wade was trying to grab it. Giannis grabs it with one hand in between his legs. Says, "Give me that shit!" and dunks it. And I'm like, "He's just a monster, bro. <laughs> you don't stop this guy. Um, he's the best rim runner ever." And I don't want to hear no debate. No debate. Um, I also want to throw out just the the thought on with Joe Ingles being out that. I don't think chemistry is going to be a problem when it happens that he comes back. They're yeah, looking sure. either sometime right around Christmas or January for Joe Ingles to be back. The amount of time that Chris Middleton spent out this season, him and Joe Ingles were together like all the time. Mm-hmm. And you and I know this, but like talking on the bench, it builds chemistry. It does. Him, He, he sits right next to the coaches. Mm-hmm. So you know he's like, He's digesting the playbook and the situational basketball, which he's already a smart guy. He's been in the league for how many yeah. years? So yeah. he's digesting all this stuff on the fly, and I don't think that's going to be a problem either. I really don't. I'm excited because now we're talking about the Bucks being <clears throat> the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league. Now they're getting their second-best player back. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about the best player or the best team in the league getting a three-time All-Star added to the roster a 25 and 5 guy and then a month from now <clears throat> we're adding a a three point shooter passer somewhat defender yeah i mean yeah dude the li- the lineups are going to be fucking nuts the the dog days of basketball this year might actually be pretty fun to watch they will it'll be 
it'll be interesting because like you know I just talked about the lineups. It'll be interesting to see the you know when we give the the starters the rest. It'll be interesting to see the fucking lineups that we tinker with and it's going to it's going to be crazy. I think the, the flexibility of this roster is insane. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and they can go small too. I know. They did it during the Orlando game. They played three point guards at one point. Dude, I'm telling you, the flexibility of this roster is just fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. We need to, we need Don't. to give John Horace some credit because this, oh, easily the best GM in the state, easily, easily. I'm sorry, the team that the rosters that he's put together the last three yeah. years, it's, yeah, stupid. like the, Wisconsin has some good GMs, mm-hmm. like in all three of their pro teams. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll throw in McIntosh, the athletic director, as the GM. Yep. Um, John Horst is, and I sat right behind that guy on an airplane. That was sick. I should have got his autograph, dude. Should have got his autograph. Damn it. All right, man. I'm just, I'm just too nice. <laughs> so before we go, I want to flex my my knowledge real quick. And Brittany can can attest to this. She was over for the Packers game. I shit you not, dude. Every time I said something during the Packers Bears game, they would say it right after I say it. I'm Dude. not even kidding. I was on fire this week. Courtney gets legit mad at me when that happens. Dude, I just get pissed at because it happens. Watching baseball. It happens, and I go and like I make I look at her and I make this face, and I'm like, see, <laughs> see. And she does. She just roll her eyes at me every time. Do you, Do you want to know what I do? And Brittany will say this is true too. I am the smartest man alive. I'm going to be rich one day. That is legit what I do in the living room, dude. It was happening for like a full half. I was just calling everything, and all of a sudden, the are saying, "I'm like, fuck, man, I'm smarter." This golf is smart. I don't know what's happening. Sheesh. <laughs> this is true. Right, you see yes. sh- yeah, yeah, I did see that too. Scott get shoved into the Christmas tree. That shit was funny. All You're right, welcome. man. Well, you take uh, go box. Uh, we're gonna have a, a really fun episode for you guys planned on Friday, I think. Um, yep. Brian won't be there, I believe. Simon will be with us, but yep. uh, we will only have recap this week. Yeah, so it will be exciting. I am excited for that. With that, yeah, and definitely excited for next week as well. Um, next Wednesday, we will have yes. Badgers defensive lineman CJ Getz on the show with us, so we are very excited for that as well. Mm-hmm. All righty. I will see you Friday night then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.